Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for October 2019. This month, circulating cytokines as a predictor of epilepsy after neonatal brain injury. Neonatal seizures often precede a raft of adverse neurological sequelae. For example, a quarter of neonates who experience acute seizures will go on to develop epilepsy in childhood. A number of physiological variables are used to predict the likelihood of childhood epilepsy, including the type and severity of brain injury, an abnormal EEG background, the severity of encephalopathy and the frequency of seizures. However, additional predictors are needed to improve patient stratification and to boost outcomes. Drawing on interesting results from animal models, Adam Numis from the University of California, San Francisco and his team set out to assess the utility of circulating cytokines as a predictor of childhood epilepsy. They performed a longitudinal study of a cohort of term newborns at risk of neonatal encephalopathy, revealing an association between circulating levels of a particular kind of inflammatory cytokine and the later development of epilepsy. Here's Adam. After some type of brain injury, whether it be hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, stroke, or infection, there's about a 20-25% chance of babies having seizures in that period right after birth. And so what does a seizure mean then for the longer-term outcome of these neonates? Sure. We know once the baby has a seizure that they're at increased risk of having a worse neurological outcome, meaning an increased risk of not just epilepsy, but developmental delays, intellectual disability, or cerebral palsy. As a pediatric epileptologist, I see a lot of children who are suffering from recurrent seizures. And so one of my long-term goals is hopefully preventing this from even happening. We know that kids who suffer a brain injury, whether that be a baby or an older child, have this risk of developing epilepsy. And so my research to date has been trying to understand which groups of those babies and children are at highest risk, and also trying to understand what mechanisms we can elucidate to try and hopefully target molecular pathways to stop this from ever happening. Presumably your work in this study, looking at circulating cytokines, is informed by some previous literature. Yeah, so there have been uh, papers out that have correlated these inflammatory pathways, these inflammatory molecules, specifically in the IL-1 beta pathway, with worse neurological outcome. There's been an emerging set of data that more mechanistically link these elevations in IL-1 beta and similar cytokines, such as IL-6 and TNF-alpha, with the development of epilepsy after brain injury in animal models. They've actually been able to blunt the cellular response to brain injury, thereby decreasing the cellular loss and decreasing the seizure burden that mice exhibit after a brain injury by targeting these particular pathways. So just providing a few doses that inhibit this pathway actually can prevent the cellular loss we expect after a brain injury 
and blunt the burden of seizures that occur afterward. So tell me about the cohort then that you need to ask these questions. Fortunately, at the University of California, San Francisco, an investigator, Donna Ferrero, had already collected information on neonates with encephalopathy and brain injury um, in the past. And she had already collected cytokine levels off of blood spots. What I was able to do was take that data and then reevaluate the data set to see which children had developed epilepsy and then use the epilepsy as a primary outcome. In a nutshell then, what was the hypothesis that you were hoping to prove? What I was trying to do here was translate the data that's been demonstrated in animal models and show that these same inflammatory pathways are dysregulated in people, um, specifically babies with encephalopathy due to a brain injury. What did the circulating cytokine levels look like in the blood of infants who'd experienced acute seizures? As we expected, acute symptomatic seizures cause dysregulation of a large number of cytokines, both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. And that corroborates both animal data and some clinical data that has been published in the past on neonates with brain injury. And again, it kind of signals that acute symptomatic seizures are a marker that there's been some type of brain injury. And this can result in sort of large dysregulations in circulating cytokines and chemokines. What was interesting here is that patients who later developed epilepsy had particular elevations that were restricted to the IL-1 beta pathway, specifically IL-6 and TNF-alpha. What do we know about the mechanism then of the IL-1 beta pathway? Does it make sense that it's associated with the development of epilepsy? In animal models, we know that the IL-1 beta pathway cytokines, including IL-6 and TNF-alpha, they can actually modulate the excitatory receptors in the brain and can negatively regulate the inhibitory receptors, both on neurons and astrocytes. Together, that results in a lower seizure threshold, and altogether, that can just create a positive feedback loop where you get a perpetuation of both seizure activity and inflammation. And it's that ongoing inflammation, we think, that can alter neuronal plasticity and eventually cause epileptogenic circuits to arise. So this is a new finding then, that in pediatric populations, this particular pathway predicts epilepsy. Correct, yeah. This is the first clinical study that demonstrates this particular pathway is associated with the development of epilepsy in neonates with brain injury. So presumably then levels of IL-1 beta will, could now serve as a useful biomarker for clinicians. Exactly. The purpose of this study was to demonstrate this association. Now we're enrolling in a larger prospective study, a multi-center, to confirm these results and then also understand potential mechanisms a little bit more in depth. Again, the long-term goal is to hopefully use these as a predictor of who's at highest risk of developing epilepsy, but also confirm that the same molecules that have been demonstrated to be dysregulated in animal models are dysregulated in people, and hopefully create a target that we can transiently modify in people to prevent these negative outcomes like epilepsy. Is it not dangerous to just sort of knock out IL-1 beta's action in the brain? Does it not have other jobs that it's meant to be doing? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. So fortunately, the drugs that actually inhibit this pathway have already been approved in both the United States and Europe. They're drugs that are used for inflammatory arthritis, such as rheumatoid arthritis, 
and some of them have already been approved in neonates for some very rare types of rheumatological conditions. We know that these drugs do modulate the immune system, but the beauty of this is that you're just blocking it for a few days. So you're not giving this every month or every week, creating these longer-term side effects. This is really just a transient administration of these molecules while these children are already going to be hospitalized. Right, so for neonates who have experienced brain infections or brain injuries or hypoxic ischemia, you could just give them a quick course of an IL-1-beta inhibitor and that would then hopefully have long-term protective effects. Correct. And in neonates with brain injury, many of them are already being, many of them are already hospitalized because they're receiving therapeutic hypothermia. And so this would be sort of an add-on therapy that's used, in my mind, to help prevent some of these other long-term problems. When do you think this might reach the clinic? Great. So uh, right now we're, we have a multi-center study that's enrolling to evaluate these markers in a larger cohort throughout the United States. And I anticipate that that study will finish in the next five years, and that will serve as a, a validation cohort for this. So hopefully, I'm thinking hopefully in the next seven to eight years, we'd have a trial that's using these molecules to help prevent epilepsy from developing. Do you think this pathway could be useful for people already presenting with epilepsy or, or people with epilepsy that didn't start with a brain injury? No, so epilepsy doesn't always start with a brain injury, but it's a great question. Could these same molecules be used in patients who already have epilepsy? And so that's other research that our group is doing is evaluating these cytokines, chemokines, and associated microRNA in children who already have developed epilepsy. Um, one particular disease we're interested in is infantile spasms, um, and we've done a, quite a bit of work in recruiting patients to evaluate these markers. And then we ultimately would like to expand to epilepsy in older children as well. That was Adam Numis from the University of California, San Francisco. And that's it for this episode. Please join us again next month for the next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thank you for listening. Thank you.